Uh, today's sermon is called Jealousy and the Church. You know, as we're going through the book of Acts, uh, when I'm reading through it, and I think that's for some of us, when we read through it too, there are times when we read about physical persecution, when we read about torture and about the jail time that they spent, and it just isn't very relatable to us. There's almost this disconnect when we read about it. However, there are certain sins that are not very different when you look at the early church and when you look at this church. There are circumstances and there are people that have changed, yes, but what hasn't changed are a lot of the different struggles that they have gone through and also, and most importantly, the mission and the goal of the church. Because you see, church, the mission of every church that is centered upon the gospel is that we are called, every single one of us, to preach Jesus Christ, to make disciples, and to live faithfully. That has been the mission and the goal of the early church, and that is still the mission and the vision of our church and of the modern church today. Now, the reason I'm reminding you of this is because as we go through the book of Acts, and even in this passage, there are going to be a variety of sins and a multitude of bad things that happen. But those problems and those sins have one singular solution, and it's the gospel. Because we as Christians believe that it's only through the power of Jesus Christ that our lives can change. It's because we as Christians believe that transformation can only occur through the power of the Holy Spirit. That there is no amount of meditation, that there is no amount of dedication towards a certain craft or a certain area that can truly bring lasting change. The only thing, the only person that can truly make you born again is Jesus Christ. That's what we believe as a church. And that's why, for us, no matter what sin arises, no matter what problem happens, the ultimate solution that we must always head towards is the gospel. It has to be the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our number one goal is to live like Christ and to live for Christ. You know, uh, Robert Murray McShane, who was an 18th century minister, he once said, it is not great minds, it is not great plans, it is not great ideas that God uses. It is the great likeness to Jesus Christ. A holy instrument is an awesome weapon in the hand of God. We have to remind ourselves of this, church. Because for us, I think especially living close to D.C., especially for us as young professionals, many of us, we want to do, do, do. We want to go forward. We want to make plans. We want to make sure everything is set. But the number one thing that we have to focus on is are we following in the likeness of Jesus Christ? Are we striving to love God more? Do we want to understand and be more like Christ? If that is our number one priority, God is going to use us powerfully. 
God will use this church to affect not only the greater city of Falls Church, not only the state of Virginia, but the entire world. I believe that. But that has to be our motivation, and that has to be, solution, that has to be the solution to how we think. You know, for us, things aren't really the same as the early church. However, many things are the same. The early church was dealing with persecution. They were being tortured. They were imprisoned for their faith. And maybe we can't really relate to that. However, the motivation of that persecution, we can relate to. Because, church, the motivation for the persecution was jealousy. The Sadducees, the religious leaders, the high priests, the Bible says that they were jealous And because of their jealousy, they persecuted the Christians. We may not understand what persecution really means for a lot of us. However, I know that we know what jealousy feels like. And that's what I want to go through today. So all I have are two points. The first is understanding the sin of jealousy. And second is How do we fight against it? Okay? Now, first is understanding the sin of jealousy. Verses 17 and 18, let me read to you. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, and that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Now, to put these verses in context, I'm actually, I just read that one part, verses 21 to 29, but we're we're going through this whole passage you know, all together. Uh, to put this in context, the disciples at this time were extremely influential. They were very powerful and they were very popular. What we know is that people would come from all over, from all these different towns, just to hear them preach. And what we know is right before this passage, it says that they were so powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit that people would come and just try to touch their shadows. They would try to touch the shadow because they believed that it could heal them. That's how powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit they were. You see, the disciples were respected by the people, and they were sought after for their wisdom and spiritual power. However, it says here that the religious leaders became so bothered by the fame and the influence of the disciples that they threw the disciples in jail and had them tortured. Now the question is, how does this apply to us? Because what's important is not the result of being thrown in jail. It was the motivation behind it. In verse 17, it says that the religious leaders were, quote, filled with jealousy. Their motivation, it wasn't anger. It wasn't embarrassment. It wasn't humiliation. They were jealous. Now, Luke uses this phrase, filled with jealousy. It's interesting because that same type of language, I think we've heard a lot before when we hear being filled with the Holy Spirit. But here is the opposite, right? Now, what it means to be filled, it means to be overflowing with something. It means to be filled to the brim with something. It's the it's a, thought of a bucket being overflowing with water. 
And for here, this people, these leaders, they were being overflowed, they were being filled, but they were being filled with jealousy. Now the question is, why were the leaders so jealous of the disciples? Why were the leaders so jealous of the disciples? Because when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense that they would be. Because the disciples, for the most part, what we know is that they were unlearned. They were pretty dumb. They couldn't really read or write. They were one of the lowest, lowest in the uh, status symbol and culture and all that. They were just fishermen who happened to follow after this man named Jesus Christ. And yet, what we know is that the richest and most influential group of people were jealous. And the reason they were jealous is because they believed that the disciples were taking away something that they deserved. That is the definition of sinful jealousy, church. It's not simply wanting something. It's not simply saying, okay, what they have, that seems really nice, and I want that. No, it's saying, I deserve what they have. The Sadducees were people that everyone respected. And there were ones that everyone came to, to hear from, and, and they, were the, they, were, they were the ones full of wisdom. But now, their power and their influence seem to have been passed over to the disciples. See, church, our, our generation of Christians, more than ever, struggle with the sin of jealousy. And many of us are so unaware of this sin within our lives. So, so many of us are so not self-aware that when I bring up this sin of jealousy, for many of us, our first thought is everyone else but ourselves. However, the Bible is very clear that jealousy is not something that affects one or two people or that other person or the person over there. It affects all of us, and it is dangerous to each one of us. And not only that, it can cause hurt within our hearts, and it can cause division within the church. You know, a writer in the Sunday Times named, uh, named Gore Vidal, he once wrote, whenever a friend succeeds, I die a little inside. How many of us can relate to this? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know that many of us can. You know, Proverbs even talks about the power of jealousy. In chapter 24, verse 7 of Proverbs, it says, Wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? What God is saying is that, look, anger is difficult to deal with, yes, but what's more dangerous than an angry man is a jealous man. And look, the reason why Proverbs... And the reason why God stresses this principle of, of jealousy is because anger is dangerous, but jealousy is deceptive. Anger is loud, but jealousy is hidden. That's why when you're jealous of someone who does better than you in school, it's because you think that you should be better than them in school. When you see someone at church who gets promoted, who maybe gets a raise, who maybe buys a house even when the rest of the economy is doing badly, you're not just saying, oh, I want that. What you're saying is, oh, I deserve that. 
You see, church, this is how the Sadducees responded. And this is the power of the sin of jealousy. They didn't really care that the disciples were gaining power. That wasn't their focus. Their focus is that they believed that that was their power to begin with. Now, the other reason why the sin of jealousy is so dangerous is because jealousy is connected to the people closest to us. When you look at this passage, what we know is that the Sadducees wanted power and success, that the religious leaders, they wanted to be influential, and it seemed like it was being taken away from them by the people closest in proximity to them, the disciples. Now, this is important, and I need you to pay attention. This is why the sin of jealousy is so dangerous. The people that you are going to be jealous of are not going to be people far away. They're not going to be people across the state. They're not going to be people across the world. The people that you are going to be most jealous of are the people you are closest to within the church. A lot of, look, a lot of our guys are pretty good at basketball, right? I know that a lot of us are. A lot of you guys are, you know, you guys practice a lot. You guys, you know, go to games. And some of you have even been on traveling teams, right? But that doesn't mean that you're going to ever be jealous of Steph Curry or LeBron. You know why? It's because they are so far out of our league. There's no point in being jealous of them. I know some of us play soccer, right? You'll, you'll never hear someone's being jealous of Messi or Ronaldo. You know why? Because they're so far out of our league. If you're working a nine-to-five job trying to save up for a house, you're not going to be jealous of Bill Gates or Mark Zuckerberg. However, you will become jealous of your friend that has a better job than you and is going to be able to afford a bigger house than you. You see, church, our jealousy is intimately connected to those that we know. And it's, the, it's one of the reasons why the church can be one of the most passive-aggressive places in the world. And I'm saying this as someone who loves the church, as someone who wants to invite so many people here. The church is meant to be a place of encouragement. It's meant to be a safe place where people can come in together and love one another, encourage one another, challenge one another, discipline one another out of love. And yet what happens is that because of the sin of jealousy, it becomes so passive-aggressive and becomes a place where we give backhanded compliments at one another because our security is not found in God, it's found in our possessions. It's because our identity is no longer found in our Creator, it's found in His creation. And so we become so insecure in ourselves, and in order to make ourselves feel better, we are willing to bring down the people that we are closest to within the church. That causes so much division, church. That causes so much heartache. And it's why when people come into this church who are new, and they hear this, and they see the jokes, and they see the passive aggressiveness, and all these different things, they, all they think is, why is the church the exact same as the world? Jealousy causes us to scoff at our friend's good news, 
Because what? We just think that they got lucky in their connection. Jealousy, it causes us to joke about the tackiness of someone's house because inside we know that it's bigger than ours. Jealousy causes us to look at, our, look at the faults of someone else far greater and far faster than seeing their good points. And look, I'm not just talking to the church, I'm talking to myself. And I had to really reflect on this when I was writing and thinking about this. Because as a pastor, for me, I realized that I never really get jealous of John Piper. I don't really get jealous of what, any of these great, you know, Charles Spurgeon or uh, Matt Chandler or, or these huge megachurch pastors. What I realized is that the greatest opportunity for me to become jealous is going to be from other EM pastors within this area. It's going to be from other English ministry pastors who I see seem to be doing really well, who seem to be growing, who seem like their life is put together, who seems like they have the perfect congregation, who seems like they really know how to preach, and who seems like their praise and their worship and everything else seems to be fitting all together. That is going to be my greatest opportunity of jealousy. And I realized this as I was preparing that I need to prepare my heart to say no to that. And this is my declaration to you as well. This is my challenge to you as well, church. That your jealousy, the opportunity for it to arise is not going to come from some other faraway person or some, from, from, from some faraway place. It's going to come from within. Satan desires to divide the church more than anything else. And he's going to use jealousy to do that. What I'm going to ask you to do is reflect within your own heart and realize that if that is you, that you just pray to take that out because that is not pleasing to the Lord. You see, jealousy can hurt you spiritually and it can hurt the church. But what I want to tell you today and what I want to kind of end on for our last point is that even though there's jealousy, the good news is that God does not leave us there. He doesn't just say, hey, there's jealousy, just deal with it. There's jealousy, just try to rip it out of yourself. There's jealousy, just, just kind of just wait and sleep on it and just see how you feel the next day. What he says is that, look, you are not meant to fight jealousy on your own. You are not, you are not meant to fight sin by yourself. I have given you the tools to fight against it, and it will, it will be through the power of the gospel. How do I know this? What we see is after the jealousy of the religious leaders, Peter and John are arrested again for evangelizing. Now, the reason I say again is because in chapter 4, what we know is that these disciples, that Peter and John specifically, they were arrested before, but what we know is that it's not repetition, is actually an intensification of their persecution because they weren't just put in jail, they were flogged. They were whipped. They were almost killed when they were in prison. However, in light of this, what we know is that Peter and the disciples were thankful. And the reason that we know that Peter and the disciples were thankful and the reason we know that they were able to overcome jealousy, they were, they were over, able to overcome sin, that the reason they were able to be joyful in all circumstances is because of what Peter says in verses 29 to 32. Let me read it to you. 
Peter says, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Church, the reason why the disciples looked to God rather than man was because they believed God raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as leader and savior over them. I know that this sounds so simple. And I know that we've heard this a billion times if you've grown up in the church. But you need to listen to it one more time, okay? The disciples were able to push past the sin of jealousy, and they were able to have joy in the difficulties of this world because their purpose was found in Jesus Christ. It says here that they were able to endure persecution because they believed that Jesus Christ already fulfilled and overcame life and death. Now, Peter uses a very interesting phrase. He calls Jesus leader and savior. Now, he's intentional about this. He's intentional that he put leader first, that he's emphasizing this word this truth that Jesus Christ is our leader. And the reason why is because, you know, there's a couple different translations of the word leader in the Greek and in the Bible. Some other translations are the word author, perfecter, champion. But I believe in this passage, Peter is trying to get across a different word. And it's the word trailblazer. Someone who goes first and sets the direction for everyone else. You see, Hebrews 12.2, it says this, Look upon Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the trailblazer of our faith. Peter is able to be thankful in his persecution because he believed that his faith was an already tested faith by Jesus. What that means is that the persecution and the hardship and the difficulty that he went through, he believed and he knew that Jesus Christ had already gone through it and had already prepared the way for him and was now waiting for him to get through it also. What this means is that, look, you're not going to be going up Mount Everest by yourself. What this means is that you are not going to be setting a trail by yourself. What this means is that even though you are at the valley of the shadow of death, and even though everything else seems to be falling across uh, upon you, you are not the first one to go through. Jesus Christ went through it. He paved the way. He put up signs, and he is asking you to follow him through it. That is what it means that Jesus Christ is the leader and savior of these people here. This is what it means that Jesus Christ is our trailblazer in our faith. We are not grasping in the dark. We are not trekking through fresh snow. We believe that Jesus Christ has already gone up and we are following in his footsteps. This is the faith that we have. It is a tested faith, and it is tested by Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for our sins, took upon the burden of humanity, and yet rose again on the third day, defeating death. 
This is how we fight against jealousy, church. And this is not only how we fight against jealousy, but how we fight against everything that comes in our way. It has to be through the belief, the understanding that we are not alone and that we are not fighting this battle by ourselves. You see, Peter is telling us to focus on Jesus and the work that he has already done. I just want to end on this one application point. You see, the last verse in this passage, the disciples, after they were flogged and so almost killed, it says in verse 42, And every day in the temple and from house to, and from house, to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. This is my application to you. Stay consistent. Stay consistent. Because for them, even after everything that had happened, they kept going to church. Even after everything that had happened, they kept going to life groups. They kept praying. They kept worshiping. They kept on heading closer and closer to the Lord. This is one of the most important application points that I will have for you and that the Bible has for us as Christian believers. Because the world values newness. However, the Bible values consistency. The world will value transitions and going from one place to another. And yet what the Bible says is maturity in Christ means that we are consistent within him. It means that even when things fall apart, we are still going towards him and not away from him. It means that we are still dedicated to what he has provided, what he is giving to us, and we're going to continue in that. It means that we're not going to fall away from him. It means that the things that are most important, they will stay most important. The things that should be a priority, we are going to stay as a priority. That means we're going to continue to attend church. That means we're still going to watch our services. That means life group is still a priority. That means we're still going to invest in each other. That means we're still going to discipline, challenge, rebuke and love one another out of love. It means that we will stay consistent as Christians. Church, keep evangelizing to your friends and your family. Keep sharing in your life groups. Keep coming out and watching Sunday services. This is the application. Jealousy may try to divide us, but our faith is a tested faith based on our leader, Jesus Christ. Trust in that. Trust in that. And stay consistent in your faith towards God and love one another. Amen? Let's pray.